Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good morning, people of the world. Good morning, Nick Ballantyne. Ah, that's Balrog Ballantyne, I think you'll find. Uh, shut up. <laughs> I have very uh, strong memory that returned to me this morning of just like the droning way you would say good morning in primary school. Oh man, when I lived in America, you had to do the Declaration of Independence, uh, that's, and that's even more droning. That seems a bit un- unsettling. It is. It's very unsettling. Well, as an Australian, it's unsettling. Over there, it's just normal. You're like, I suppose Ooh. so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. I certainly didn't almost say your name then. <laughs> Look, we've been talking about changing my middle name to Balrog. I don't think it's a good idea for a number of reasons. And yet you almost just said your name. I think, or my name rather, I think maybe subconsciously you want your middle name to be Balrog. Mm, no. I mean, come on. Can't say I do. Ugh. Worst. Got this whole middle initial branding going on. It's working pretty well for me. True, true. It's kind of like um, George R. R. Martin. He doesn't have a second R or even a first R. J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Or M. Bison. Yep. Doesn't even have an M, but, you know. Today we watch the uh, 27th episode of part three of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusaders. Also the uh, third episode of the second half of that uh, story, Battle in Egypt, entitled uh, Knum's Oingo and uh-huh. Toth's Boingo. Gotcha. Oh. <laughs> so, Nick, preliminary thoughts about this episode. It was weird. It's a nice change of pace, I think. It's a good weird, though. Yeah. Like, you're watching it and you're just going, what the hell is going on? And then you get further and you go, I am enjoying whatever the fuck this is. It's a bit of a farce. It's from the perspective of the bad guys. You also get a nice little window into, like, the dumb bullshit the protagonists get up to when they are, as far as they are aware, not under threat. Mm. Like, there's a bit where they're just literally messing around with... Jodoro. Yeah. And you're like, is this seriously what you guys do? Pretty much. Is this the thing that you guys do? So, Nick, I want to share with you some words from the author of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, Hirohiko Araki. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure he won't mind. There's probably very few things he enjoys quite as much as hearing us rattle on about what he's already said. I believe we've reached the point where I've read previous, um... Stardust Crusaders one uh, author's notes, so I'm going to skip ahead to the one I believe we're up to, which is volume 19. Okay. No one realises this, but as of December, I will have been a manga artist for 10 years. Brackets. I'm not saying this because I want someone to congratulate me. End brackets. <laughs> 10 years. It's only two words, but it's amount, an amount of time that makes me go, hmm. When I consider that I spent my entire 20s working in manga, again I go, hmm. <laughs> but I'm grateful to God and my ancestors for this feeling. I wonder, so does that mean that part three took 10 years to get up to? Or are these just across his entire kind of... Well, yeah, he's, he had some work before Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Like right. Gorgeous Irene and Bao and, uh, gosh, that one that one about the kid that teaches you to play pranks and was really irresponsible. Because it taught you, like, hey, catch some wasps. Put these wasps up where, where they'll sting someone. These wasps can be very deadly. Hilarious. So, ten years of working in manga. Huh. So at that point he'd worked in manga. As of 1990. 1990. Is, that, is he still going in manga? Yep. Shit. It's quite an illustrious career. 37 years worth of mangatude. Sure. Yeah. God damn. It's actually quite amazing when you think about it. It's an achievement. It's a yeah. career. It is most certainly We should all job. be so lucky. <laughs> Bitter eyes. <laughs> so Nick, pick up where we left off last time. Just immediately where we left off. 
Yep, Oingo and his brother Boingo are riding a bus, a later bus. They didn't get into a horrific car accident. Oh, that's lucky. How'd they know? Well, uh, Oingo, no, sorry, Boingo. This is going to happen a lot. AKA Mondata. Okay. Because yep. Zenyata Mondata, uh-huh. the police, Overwatch, we've been through this, uh, has a little magical manga that tells him the future. Oh. And he reads that manga and he's like, oh, we shouldn't get on that bus. And they don't. And it goes quite well for them. Yeah. And then they're on the bus and they've, they're still reading. and it's, We get these little interludes a few times throughout this episode of the contents of the manga where we see, frankly, horrific caricatures <laughs> of the characters in the episode. It's kind of like something that a demented human being would draw. Some sort of psycho child. Like some kind of mental asylum meets horror film meets... I don't even know. The sort of scrawlings you'd find at the bottom of a black temple underneath a lake that I want to drive a man insane with forbidden knowledge. A haunted child weeps behind you as you read it and you go, oh no, oh no, this is evil. And then his brother comes by and scares you off. Yeah, pretty much. It's a good time. Yeah. A terrifying time, but a good time. The book informs them that the Oingo Boingo brothers took the bus to Aswan and there they found their enemies. (gasps) What? The enemies went into a cafe. They took a big gulp of poisoned black tea. <gasps> oh no! That means that- And that's it for predictions for now. Oh no! But that means that they're gonna get poisoned by some black tea. Well yes, uh, as Boingo tells us several times throughout this episode, his predictions are 100% accurate. They are. absolute. If it's in the book, it's happening. Hmm. In one way or another. Dun dun dun! So, Oingo starts going off on this rant about how, like, oh, all we have to do is poison them, and it's going to happen. We're invincible together because your power is to see the future, and my power is to change my face. Now, I remarked, that doesn't feel very invincible. (laughs) I feel like, like, honestly, Oingo with the face changing really isn't pulling his weight in this team. Yeah, no. It's like, hey, man, I'm looking forward in time so that we can see what we have to do, and you can change your face. And you know what else? For the majority of the episode, as he's scheming, he doesn't even change his face. You know, when he's pretending this to be a waiter, yeah. when he's breaking into their car, he's still just using his own identity. And, you know, obviously we don't know who he is at this point, but if he had changed his face, he would at least have that insurance. <laughs> he could at least go, aha, it wasn't me, though. It was that guy. Yeah. Mm. However, the one time that he does change his face doesn't go too well. No, for we'll get to that in due course. Yes. Uh, yep, so he talks about how they've the god of knowledge, Thoth, or Toth, or Thoth, as it's varyingly... Well, the book is called Toth, uh, okay. but the god I've mostly read translated as Thoth. The god of knowledge, in the form of a manga, mm-hmm. and the god of creation, Knu, in the form of changing your face, and your hair, and your smell. As you so wish. You know, I really do feel like he's kind of drawn the short straw in terms of stand powers. <laughs> what, because all he can do is change his face? Because you have... You know, for example, Yellow Temperance, who could change your face and also be an invincible wall of goo consuming your enemies. That is true. Maybe these are just like nine lower powered dudes. Although to be fair, the first guy we met was Geb. And he was very powerful. He was extremely powerful. So so powerful, in fact, that as we cut to our guys, they're talking and they're like, huh, Avdol and Kakuin are in the hospital. That's never happened to any of us before except Avdol. Yes. 
Abdul's neck wound was fine, so he should be released in the next day or so. But Kakyoin's eyes were pretty bad. He's pro- he might be out for the rest of the trip, and he might never see again. Yeah. Um. I don't think that's how wounds work. <laughs> like, if your eyes get slashed at, I think you're probably going to be a bit better than if your throat gets cut. Could have been a could have been a shallower wound. Welcome to manga. Yeah. Sure. It could have been anything. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the boys sneak into a cafe and uh, hit the cook with a frying pan and drag him into the back room. I think he's dead at that point as well. Possibly. I think there's there was a, some blood on that There's pan. a lot of blood. Yeah. And they're like, look, this is the Maxim Cafe. They'll definitely come here. The predictions always come true. <laughs> That's his weird laughter. I'm sorry, what's his weird laughter? <laughs> like Rattus from the Ferals. Rattus? You remember Rattus the Rat? Oh, and with the weird, um, was it a dingo that was one of their other friends? Yeah. And a cat? Yep. Yeah. Good times. Man, what a show. Two shows, technically speaking. Two shows? There was the Ferals, and then there was Feral TV. Oh, yeah. No, because Feral TV was a bit darker. Uh, And a lot shorter. (laughs) And a lot shorter. Anywho, Polareff is smoking, setting a bad example for the kids. Oh, smoking French people. Who would have thought? Then they're talking about the illnesses and they're like, we should go get some refreshments at a cafe. Let me flip my cigarette to choose where we're going to go. And lo and behold, it falls in the direction of Maxim's. <gasps> wow. Dick. Who could have seen this coming? I'll tell you who. Toth. The god of knowledge. The god of manga. <laughs> That'd be like some Amer- some American god shit, right? What, the god of knowledge? God of manga. The god of manga. Yeah, it could be, actually. Anytime anyone says, oh, yeah, it's just like Japanese cartoons, it's like, well, no, actually, it's an anime I think you'll find. I think you'll find it's a higher form of art than those inferior Western cartoons. Hey, man, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to watch, I don't know, Rick and Morty over here, man. Yeah, I'm the god of TV and shut the fuck up, Anywho, so he doesn't transform his face, but he disguises himself as a waiter by putting on an apron and turning his hat backwards. I mean, it works pretty well. They don't know who he is. It's not easy. It's not hard to disguise yourself against people who have never seen you. One could say it's And who you think will die and will never see you again. I mean, one could say it's the perfect disguise, Liam. Yeah. The perfect disguise is being a nobody. Unless you're in Kingdom Hearts. Ah, yeah, from Game of Thrones taught us that. (laughs) So there's this whole bit, this whole series of shenanigans wherein... Oh, God. That's right. They're like, hey, let's have some black tea. And he's like, yes, I knew you would order black tea. And then Joseph's like, wait a minute. We're in Egypt now. There could be enemies anywhere and everywhere. We can only drink from sealed bottles and cans. Let's have some cola. And he's like, what? Cola? But the book said you would get tea. This goes against fatalism. Yeah. In fact... Bring us the cola and don't open the caps. We'll do that ourselves. And bring us the third, fourth, and fifth bottles from the right. And then we we cut to friggin' Oingo just being like, Oh my god, their predictions are always true. I'm just a little... Oh no, that's Boingo. That's the Emperor. Empress. Empress. The Emperor's a gun. No, 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 I'm saying the Emperor as in from Star Wars. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's his voice now. Yeah, that's his voice. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were doing... Yeah. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Anyway, so Boingo, being the little gremlin that he is, is basically sitting in the corner, clutching his book and being like, the predictions always come true. (laughs) I can just... 
The only thing I like see when I hear that voice is the emperor just sitting there with a manga, <laughs> just being like, "Yes, yes, Grand Moff Tarkin, have you read the latest issue of Escape from Paradise?" <laughs> Have you ever read Margin Tante Nogami Nero? It's great. It's about a demon who solves mysteries. Uh, Emperor, I'm trying to deal with a giant fuck-off laser that destroys planets. Okay, yes, that's great. But did you ever think about how superior Japanese cartoons are to Western ones? Uh, well, actually, it's referred to as anime. I think you'll find my... Zap. <laughs> Man, what a terrible crossover. What a dumb bit. <laughs> So Boingo's going to go get their colas and he's like, this is going to turn around. This dude stands up and he's like, hey, this cola's warm. What the fuck, man? I'm not paying you for warm cola. Yeah. I think it's like... warm, non-branded cola. I think it's like super logical as well. So it's like, hey, man, this cola is warm. Therefore, I'm not going to pay you. Good day. Good day to you, sir. And to you three gentlemen. (laughs) He's just there going, okay, what? Why are you so logical in what? this circumstance? Why is the cola warm, waiter man? Oh, well, the fridge is broken. Gosh, that's annoying. And then Polaroff's like, Joseph, you're being too paranoid. Just chill out, man. There are dozens of cafes around here. We would never just pick the one with the stand user. Sidebar, they absolutely would just pick the one they with would. the stand user, yeah. even if there wasn't some predestination shit going on here. This is not even a question. Yeah. And Joseph's like, okay, well, being careful can't hurt. Okay, let's change cafes then. And they're like, okay, let's leave. And they walk outside to see another cafe. The cafe across the street they're going to go to is very much on fire. It's burning because some douchebag left a cigarette in the trash. Yeah, of course, that is Polareff because he flicked his uh, cigarette onto the ground earlier. And the the great, great line, the lack of self-awareness he shows is like, wow, what sort of jerk would throw a lit cigarette in the trash? Oh my god, it's amazing. Let's have three black teas. And the brothers are like, we did it. <laughs> We've done it. Yeah, um, and they're watching them from behind the bar and they're like, do it. <laughs> so uh, they start edging, yeah. edging the tea towards like, their faces. Take a fucking sip, bro. <laughs> and then as they slowly begin to sip away at this tea. It's in their mouth. Drink <sighs> it all. Drink it. Drink it. An interruption happens with Iggy. (laughs) Iggy rocks up and this woman is like, ah, a dog, it ate my cake. And she starts throwing china at it. Now, I thought it was a bit of an overreaction. And all the guys do like a full on spit take as they spit their tea all over the shop. 100% spit take. Yeah. So this woman is throwing a lot of plates at Iggy. He runs down the street and the protagonists chase after their dog. And they're like, Iggy, no, bad dog, bad. Come back where I've come. What a, what a rapscallion. What a force of chaos. Man, what a punk. God. Yugi is the original punk. He is. He's the original OG, you know? Yeah, he's like, um, oh gosh, what was that dog's name? Um, that dog they used to sell beer. Uh, Bubba? Wait, the dog that used to sell beer? Yeah, Buds McKenzie or something like that. What? They parodied him with that slug in the Slurm episode of Futurama. Oh, oh, the Budweiser dog? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was Buds McKenzie. Something like that. Um, anyway, yeah. That's Iggy. That's Iggy. <laughs> Drunk, rebellious, dangerous. The original party animal. He can make anything out of sand, just like the Budweiser <laughs> dog. The brothers regroup, and they're like, ah, oh, these predictions are so accurate, but they could only see the very near future, so sometimes things go wrong. Classic. 
And then they read it again and it's like, the Oingo Boingo brothers were frustrated, but they pulled themselves to- I'm going to read this like a children's book now. <laughs> Do it! But they pulled themselves together. They decided to chase their enemies. They met a man with an annoying face. They hated him. And then in reality, Oingo punches this nerdy looking guy. And then it's like, man, guys like that really grind my gears. I'm yeah. going to punch him in the face. And he did. Panicked, the annoying guy dropped his wallet and it was full of money. Yay, we're rich. We sure are lucky. We cut back to Oingo being like, <laughs> sucker. That was a pretty good score. <laughs> now, next on the list. The brothers planted a bomb shaped like an orange in the Stardust Crusaders' car. Jotaro went flying in the explosion and his face was split in two. He was out of the game for good. It's so detailed. It's gotta be accurate. It even says Jotaro's face gets split in two. Surely no sort of misinterpretation could be gained from that. So... Boingo hatches his gambit that takes up basically the rest of the episode. It's so good. So he, he walks on over to their car, which is that sort of green gin buggy looking thing. Yep. He really casually glances around and smashes off the lock with, um... With a wrench. Yeah. Now I told... I, <laughs> you observed to me. <laughs> I observed to you, since the prediction's already been made, right? That does... he would plant a bomb shaped like an orange in their car. Yep. And that he would successfully, like, kill Jotaro effectively. I thought, hang on, doesn't that mean that... If he plants the bomb in the car, he, no has, matter, he has to plant the bomb in the car. No matter what he does to get into the car, it will work. He should get access to the car somehow. So that means that he could flick the doorknob and it would open. Good Fonzie style bump. No need for a wrench. No need for any kind of like effort. He'd well, just get in. I mean, given the predictions are 100% accurate, yeah. uh, that orange would end up in that car somehow. But True. it's a question of... You know, yeah. maybe they would find him and beat him up and just take the orange they happen to have on him. This is true. Where it's like, hey, that punk's trying to break into our car. Fuck you, we're taking your orange. Yeah. Right. You know, there are... There are Loopholes. There are blacks... There are blind spots in the manga. Mm, mm. So he's... He's he's rigged up this orange, which is full of, like, clockwork, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how he filled an orange with... Explosive material? Without breaking the skin. Uh... Well, to be fair... Oh, did we, did we no, see no, that? No, he did. And then because, he sort of resealed yeah, it. Yeah, he reseals it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's still got a little yeah. thing around it, like a ring. And three seconds after he peels this orange, Jotaro will definitely explode. Now... So he's, he's crawling yeah. around in the back seat looking for somewhere to plant this orange. And then who should show up? Why, it's Joseph and Polnareff. And they're like, hey, who's in our car? Oh, it's probably just Jotaro. No, Jotaro said he was going ahead at the hospital. Who's in our car? Show yourself. And then... From behind the car, slowly emerges... Jotaro. Jotaro, but with a much taller head. Yeah, like a lot a lot taller with that hat there. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, hey guys, it's me. I'm definitely Jotaro. This must have been a fun episode for Jotaro's voice actor in terms of being able to show any emotional range. Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine like the entire series, you're like... Yari, yari, does it? And then after like this one episode, you're like, hey guys, it's me, Jotaro Kujo. That's hey. what they call me. We're here to save my mum, Haley. <laughs> and you know what my favourite food is? Lemon. I mean orange. Definitely orange. I like all the colours a lot. Especially the ones you can see with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Oingo disguises Jotaro, pops out, and he's like, I can use my stand to perfectly mimic anyone's face. I even made his hat by transforming my hair. 
Now, it's not a very good disguise to it, us. It gets the job, especially since he's wearing a shirt that says Kanum on it. <laughs> and, like, hasn't even bothered really changing his clothes. So he's just like, yep, I mean, I can change my face. Sure. Well, this comes up because they're like... Jodoro, you're looking a bit weird there. Yeah, those clothes don't suit you at all. Yeah, why? Where's your school jacket? Uh, my school jacket? What? Oh, I, uh... I left it at the cleaners and I was coming back here to get my wallet because I didn't have any money. It's a brilliant excuse. It's yeah, bound to I'll work. never see through that. And then they're like, all right, get in the car, loser. We're going to the hospital. And he goes, oh, no, no, I'll just make my uh, way to the yeah. hospital. It's like, no, get in the and car. Paul Narev literally grabs him and pulls him into the car. It's great. What are you talking about? It'll be much faster to get into the car. Come on, come on. <laughs> Paul is like that annoying friend. Who won't take no for an answer. Yeah, so you're just there like, I don't want to go... I just want to have a night in. I want to read my mangas with the Emperor. You're like, I don't want to go to the strip club. It's like, oh, nonsense. You can read manga in the strip club. What are you talking about? Get in the car. Weirdly elaborate scenario. (laughs) What? It's like one of those things where, like, someone will say, we'll go to this place that no one really wants to go to. And then you're like, oh, but you have to come because I'm here. Do I? It's like, yes, come on. And they just drag you along. Oingo and Boingo are both freaking out because they've realised that seeing as he's disguised as Jotaro, mm. that's that's like a loophole in the prophecy for him being exploded instead of the real Jotaro. <gasps> My God, you're right. And he's like, oh, I know. I'll throw the orange away and put it back later. And he drops it out the window and he's like, phew, what a relief. And we're still on his relieved face. And then we just we hear off-screen conversations. And the, the other guys are like, hey, it's Iggy. Oh, oh, what's that in his mouth? Oh, it's an orange. What, did you steal that from somewhere, Iggy? Wait a minute, it's an orange. Oh, yeah, that might be a nice gift for a Kaku and an doll. That single orange that a dog had in its mouth. <laughs> True, I didn't actually think that far ahead when we were watching it. But yeah. An orange the dog... And also somehow they have a bag of oranges in the car already. Yeah, I think because they were taking it because, you know, why not? Yeah. Bitches love oranges. I think taking oranges to someone in the hospital is like... It's something you see in anime often, so I think that might be a Japanese thing. Is it? Is that a thing that you... I've I've seen it in other anime shows. If you know anything about Japanese culture, let us know. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) If you know a very specific thing about oranges and hospitals in Japanese culture... Maybe let us know. <laughs> so he's like, yow! And they're like, Jodoro, you're making weird noises. Why uh, are you saying yow? Uh, I meant, um, cow. There's a cow over there. And there's a cow over there. Jodoro, you're acting real fucking weird, says Polnareff. You're not a fake, are you? Oh, and God, he glares at him. Oh, God, he's seen through me. Oh, no. Uh, what do I do? Um, uh, 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 yare, yare. What are you talking about? Are we at the hospital yet? And they drive on. Yeah, it's him. Until, this is like a series of challenges he has to complete just to maintain his ruse. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. Ponorev turns around and he's like, Hey, Jotaro, do your special trick. You know, the one I learned from you. And uh, (laughs) the guy's like, oh God, what's the trick? What what sort of special trick does Jotaro do? Something with his stand, maybe? So uh, Ponorev takes a cigarette out, lights it, and then... Kind of... He sort of tilts his head back such that the cigarette... Oh, and uses his tongue. To tilt the cigarette back into... Past his teeth and it lands in his mouth still lit and not burning him. Yeah, so it doesn't hit his tongue. Yeah. So he doesn't, you know, die. But uh, yeah, he just like maintains complete composure. So I love this as a window into the dumb bullshit Jotaro gets up with the gang, gets up to with the gang when... How old is he again? I don't know, 16, 18. He smokes a lot. He does, but we knew that. 
But like, I just love the fact. Well, we'll find out later when we find out what the actual challenge is. But but I just love like yeah. it's from what we see of him in like the action sequences. Doing this sort of thing is just not something we'd expect him to do. No, where he's just usually like, being a bit of a goofball. Stoic. Yeah, stoic as shit, yeah. doing nothing and being like, "Good grief, you guys are." Idiots. It would have been like, "Hey, Polnareff, can you do this?" And Polnareff would be like, "Wow, I don't think I could do that." Well, what you do is you do it like this. Click. Um. <laughs> Look, I'm going to do it with five cigarettes at once. So the challenge uh, escalates. Yep. Go on, Jotaro. Do it like you did before with five cigarettes. I want to see. Come on. Five cigarettes. Oh, God. And we see this shot. This one particular shot of Oingo standing in space on the top of a giant cigarette. Unlit, of course. Being orbited by an orange. It is the perfect encapsulation of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, is it not? Yeah. It's really uh, sort of giving a ten- an externalisation to the sources of his anxiety right now. One could say it's a surreal motif of very real concerns. So he's like, okay, I can do this. Jojo can do it. It seems dangerous, but I'll do it. Okay, here we go. My secret talent. So he lights up five cigarettes in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And then he starts sort of fumbling around. Slowly, agonizingly does it. The, uh, the like... ash sort of brushes against his teeth. And he just goes, okay, okay, it's almost there. It's almost there. And then he successfully and... managed to get five cigarettes in. But he's very much visibly struggling about it. Yeah. And like, he's basically, you know, smoke coming out of his ears, sweating hard. He's like, oh, I did it. Now they'll accept me as, as Jotaro. Yeah, only the real Jotaro could do this. There is nothing more that I have to do in order to make sure... Come on, Jotaro, drink some juice and without putting the cigarettes out like you did last time. Oh, no. I want to see it. Come on. I want to see it. I'm Polnareff and I want to see it. So Jotaro takes... Or not Jotaro. Fake Jotaro. Fakero nope. takes... Oh, uh, takes the uh, juice. Hey. And it, before he even gets to try... That's choking and spluttering, and then he's like, oh, you failed. And Joseph's like, are you okay? <laughs> I love how Polaris like, you idiot. Oh, I also really enjoyed how, um, when he was doing it, when he was putting the cigarettes back in his mouth, both Joseph and Polnareff were both were just turned around watching, even though Joseph's driving a car. In a very judging fashion. Yeah. Just being like, can he just, Like, it? not even trying to look at the road. It's like, Joseph is there being like, you're my grandson, you need to live up to my expectations. Then they, then they all die in a car accident. <laughs> See, that's what the manga doesn't tell you. Hmm. Hmm. So everyone other than Jotaro was already dead because of car wrecks. Ooh. It's just the dumbest shit. Yeah. So he failed. Uh, we get this moment where they're both Oingo and Boingo are interiorly monologuing to themselves, but kind of beseeching the other person to use their powers to solve this situation. Yeah. There's no telepathy. They're just like, no, yeah. oh, hear yeah. me now. They got that sort of brother link they, they think along the same lines yeah uh, but against each other in this case because it's like um Oing, uh, boingo you've got to do it make the prediction go away somehow tear out the page of the book i don't know do literally anything meanwhile boingo running along is like the prediction is 100 percent accurate you've got to undo the transformation so the real trader will get blown up but if i undo the real trader they'll beat me up or the bomb will explode and i'll die hmm there's no easy way out of the circumstance for poor, poor old Oingo. I know. I'll fake a stomach ache and get them to pull over and then run away and undo the transformation. And then Polnareff is like, Hey, Jotaro, the way you've clasped your hands together. Oh no, they've seen through me. They've seen through the clever ruse. You've got your left thumb on top. 
<gasps> oh no! Does Jodoro have his right thumb on top? Have I failed in my perfect disguise? Oh no. By trying to copy the mannerisms of a man I know nothing about. That's it, I'm screwed. They'll kill me. They'll literally lynch me alive. Yeah, they'll silver chariot fuck me up. Although, I don't have a very good stand. I can only change my face. <laughs> I'll never beat up silver chariot. There's no way I can win. I'm done for. Having your left thumb on top means you were a woman in a past life. <laughs> the fortune teller told me that because I had my right thumb on top, I was a man in my past life. Is that true, Polnareff? Says Joseph. Yes, I think I often put my left thumb on top. That's 100% scientifically accurate, Joseph. That means you were a woman in a past life. Well, how would you even prove that? <laughs> Meanwhile, Oingo continues his nervous breakdown in the backseat. Just like, oh god. My stomach is really hurting. Being with these two is going to kill me. So, at this point, I think he fakes... Not yet, because it's no. time for the next challenge. Oh god. Polar turns around and is like, Hey, Jotaro, let's see who can eat a whole orange faster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... This is... I'm not... I don't know if I'm really surprised at the fact that this is what they get up to in their free time. But at the same time, is this seriously what they get up to in their free time? Sounds like it. Dear God. Beautiful. And he's holding the orange that Iggy picked up, which is the bomb. He goes to peel it and Jotaro... Uh, quote unquote. Yep. Rushes the front seat and is like, stop! Um, uh, Iggy picked that up. It could have been in the gutter. It could have been anywhere. It's clean. It's not no, bruised. It's fine. it's fine. The skin's not broken. No, it's all good. Yeah. And then he does his stomach ache ploy, which has become real because of stress. And he's just like, I need to go. Stop the car. Stop the car. And he's crawled into the front seat and he's squirming against Polar F and eventually just ends up clambering out the window. Joseph's like, all right. And he's running off. Polar F goes, Wait a minute, Jodoro. And there's a lot of shots of uh, two very of those different faces. Those guys glaring at him very seriously. Oingo sort of with his back to them, eyes to the sky nervously. Uh, Iggy's there too. So And the music is swelling with dramatic tension. It goes for a good like 20 seconds yeah. too. So normally like suspense stuff goes maybe like five seconds. Mm -hmm. Like all the other stuff's been like quite quick. This goes for like 20 plus seconds. <laughs> and it's just Polner up being like, hmm. And the music swells to a crescendo and here's some toilet paper. Okay, bye. I'm off. I'm done. Right. <laughs> I did it. I got away. I'll run behind that rock and undo my transformation. And then meanwhile, back in the car, which I started driving. Huh. I guess this orange could have been in the gutter. What should I do, Joseph? Oh, I don't know. Just throw it out. Okay. And he throws it out the window. Conveniently, it arcs, it arcs high into the air over a large amount of distance. And just so happens to fall right near that rock yeah. that Oingo Right was under going the for. footfall of Oingo, who looks down and realizes that he's stepped on a. An orange. Which has a detonator pin in it <laughs> and some charges. Has a bit of C4. Yeah. It's a bit of a very strange orange, but no less, I imagine, it'd be quite delicious. Oh, shit. And there's a big explodey. The guys drive away and they're like, huh. What was that sound? Oh, it was probably just construction or something. <laughs> you know, an explosion that's probably, sh like, shaking the explosion the that you can clearly see in the rearview mirror. <laughs> They're just like... Uh, out the back window. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful self-awareness. Oingo's battered, broken body is behind this rock, and Boingo runs on up. Guess he was doing a pretty good job keeping pace with that car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, stand users. They, they know how to run. And he's like, no... Now it's time for shy little Boingo to step up and kill them myself. Hey, there's the punk. And the guy they beat up earlier comes by with a bunch of, 
of big, tough-looking guys. Hey, so this guy stole my wallet. Yeah, if you beat them up, I'll pay you because I'm a super rich guy. <laughs> and then they do. The brothers grab each other in fear. And they're just like, no. And Bongo is like, oh, I thought I was going to be a tough adult now, but I guess I'm going to get beaten back into being a shy, tiny kid. So we get another little montage from the manga. There was no time for revenge, but don't give up. Sometimes that's just how life is. What sound advice. The guys arrive at the hospital. Jodoro's there because if you recall, he was walking ahead. And he's just like, just walking in going, oh, oh, it's Joseph and... He's like, hey, took you long enough. And they're like, what the fuck, man? You're way too quick at taking a shit in the desert. (laughs) And also you got your clothes back from the dry cleaners. What the hell are you talking about? What What? what dry clean? They looked at an ambulance. Oh, you brought some oranges, huh? I'm gonna have one. <laughs> so, an ambulance pulls up, and in the back we see the uh, the beaten up bodies of... Uh, boingo and Boingo. And Bonhoeffer's like, huh, that man's clothes. What, do you know him? No. No, obviously not. Jeez, come on, Jotaro. Get off my back, Fuck you. What an asshole. Let's go to the hospital and see our injured friends. And then we get, I think, a last shot of... Oh no. We get a shot of Jotaro eating a piece of orange and going, Bleh. And the book informs us that they were, Oingo and Bongo were taken out of the battle together, and Jotaro and his friends didn't even realise they were being attacked. But Dom Tess. Jun Jun. To be continued. And that's the episode, really. Oh, you know what? We, we sure we ought to discuss, um, seeing as this one sort of flows into itself a bit. Yep. And I didn't want to do, oh my god, at the very, very start when they were introducing a. Uh, Oingo and Bongo? Yeah. We ought to do or that now. Zenyata Mondata? Yeah. Let's start with uh, Oingo and Kunum. Okay. So, first of all, we've got the uh, Jojo Ville commentary for Ooh. Kunum. Yeah. Kunum. The face shifting. No other part of his body, though. Just the face. Mm-hmm. And the smell. And the smell. True. And the smell. Olfactory glands. Mm-hmm. His hair. Up until this point, I had only been thinking about various ways to attack, like with fire or water. And it was around this point that I wanted to bring in an ability that would add some suspense to the story. Now, it does add suspense. Yeah. But maybe not in the sense you would traditionally (laughs) go for. It is literally just him freaking the fuck out. About not fucking up his stupid plans. (laughs) And being like, okay, Jodoro will die. We know Jodoro has to die. I just have to make sure I'm not Jodoro. Yeah. And in terms of uh, Egyptian gods, Egyptian god cards. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you notice that we did see, in at least in the song at the end, literal Egyptian god cards, like how we saw tarot cards associated? Yeah, no, they were um, yeah. there were Egyptian god cards in the episode as well. Oh, I missed them in the episode. Yeah, it was like, I'm Oingo, and I'm Boingo at the start, where yeah. they were like, right next to one another. Yeah. Kunum was one of the earliest Egyptian deities, originally the god of the source of the Nile River. God of the source of the Nile River. River's gonna come from somewhere. Okay, alright. Since the annual flooding of the Nile brought with it silt and clay and its water brought life to its surroundings, he was thought to be the creator of the bodies of human children, which he made out of potter's wheel from clay and placed in their mother's wombs. There you go. It's an elaborate reverse heist. (laughs) Reverse heist? Yeah, sneaking in, you know, like in in Inception. That's a reverse heist. Sneaking into their wombs and... And leaving a child. (laughs) It's just like... Which is a crime in modern times. (laughs) Just like, you can imagine, like, the shot of this Egyptian god peeking up over the bed. And then this child in his hands. Made of like, clay. And just be like, right, now, how do I get it into your womb? Okay, moving on. Yeah, that'll do. 
He later was described as having moulded the other deities, and he had the titles Divine Potter and Lord of Created Things from himself. Harry Potter has ruined everything now. Divine Potter. Ten points from Gryffindor, Divine Potter. Ah, uh, yes, want to make a new human breed, Divine Potter. Known as the God of Creation and the Waters, he had the, was often depicted with the head of a ram. The head of a ram? Yeah, his symbol was the potter's wheel, actually enough. Hmm. I wonder why it was a ram instead of, like... Anything stork, else? You know? Because we often think of a stork as bringing babies and... Well, I say often. In, like, folklore, the stork brings, like, a lot of babies and stuff. Sure, but, you know, this probably predates that by a couple of millennia. Fair. Fair, yeah. All right. Canum was the god of rebirth, creation, and the evening sun. Although this is usually the function of Atum. Wait, Atum as in the god Atum? Or... Yeah, okay. A-T-U-M. Atum. That's about all I got for uh, Canum. Any other thoughts on Canum or Oingo? Well... It does make sense that, you know, Kunum, as the god of creation and, like, with the stand, he changes his face and all that. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he can't change anything else. Mm. It also doesn't make a lot of sense about how he's... Actually, it does make a lot of sense about how he's just really kind of not good at his job. Wait, why does that make a lot of sense? Because he's just sort of an idiot boy man. <laughs> he's an idiot boy. Maybe he can change every part of his body. He's just too much of an idiot to he was, uh He was under, uh... You know, time pressure doing this transformation. It's true, it's true. You know, you can't perform when you're under pressure. That's the key. Boinko and Toth, or Thoth. It sounds very Lovecraftian, doesn't it? We've, we talked about this last week, Nick. Mm. I thought I could create a, I thought I could create an cool story by making an enemy with precognitive powers. This was around the time I got married. Not that I have precognition, but I was thinking about my own future while I was drawing this stand. I think he's deflecting a bit. I think maybe he does have precognition. Yeah, I mean, look at everything that's come true that was in his manga. Yeah, it's true. 9-11. <laughs> I mean, it's no coincidence, Liam. Okay. There are no coincidences. It was drawn so clearly, so obviously, with mm -hmm. so much detail, it had to be true. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Great. So, Oingo Bongo. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, Thoth. Thoth, yes. Or Jehuti. D-J-E-H-U-T-I. D-Jehuti. Depending on the ph phonological interpretation of Egyptians' emphatic consonants. <laughs> of course. Was one of the deities of the Egyptian pantheon. In art, he was often depicted as a man with the head of an ibis or a baboon, which were animals sacred to him. What is an ibis? A bird. Oh. Like a river bird. There you go. Mm -hmm. Like I a sort of stork. Why wasn't that the... <laughs> His feminine counterpart was Seshat and his wife was Mart. Thoth was the god of knowledge, the moon, measurement, wisdom, the alphabet, records, thought, intelligence, meditation, the mind, logic, reasoning, reading, hieroglyphics, magic, secret, scribes, and writing. Yeah, but what did he do? <laughs> like Symbol was the moon disc, the papyrus scroll, reed pens, the writing palette, the stylus, the ibis, the baboon, and scales. What a useless god. Thoth's got a lot going for him. Yeah, he does. It feels like everything that the Egyptians held dear... <laughs> in one way or another, may have stemmed from Thoth. He's a busy guy. Or Jehuti, as it were. Thoth played many vital and prominent roles in Egyptian mythology, such as maintaining the universe and being one of the two deities, the other being Mart, who stood on, the, uh, uh, on either side of Ra's boat. Sorry, hang on. So the two things they pick in this order are maintaining the universe mm -hmm. And standing on a boat. Well, I don't know what Ra's boat is about. That could be some... Yeah, that takes people to the underworld, I think. I don't know, man. Oh, all right. Because I think... Was there an underworld in ancient Egypt? Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. would go into the next life yeah, after yeah. Anubis weighed your soul against a feather. Yeah, and then doesn't... Oh, maybe there is a note. Are you thinking of, of like maybe... Underworld. Like Greek mythology, yeah. maybe. Yeah, never mind. 
In the later history of ancient Egypt, Thoth became heavily associated with the arbitration of godly disputes, the arts of magic, the system of writing, the development of science, and the judgment of the dead. Judgment of the dead, nice. Thoth has played a prominent role. I'm noticing there's a lot more, there was a lot more sort of... Cool shit. A lot more information about things Thoth did and was involved with than Knum. I'm guessing from a very amateur perspective that maybe that is due to the fact that Knum was one of the earliest gods and there may not be as much surviving record. Hmm. Hmm. I also feel like maybe since Thoth is like so big, (laughs) you know, in Egyptian mythology, he probably just shows up a lot. But again, that might just be a function of us having... Zero knowledge. Access to more... No, like us as a society having access to more archaeological record of stuff since it was later. Maybe. Thoth has played a prominent role in many of the Egyptian myths, displaying his role as an arbitrator. He had overseen the three epic battles between good and evil, which, as we all know, were uh, (laughs) Jonathan versus Dio. Yep. uh, Joseph Joseph versus versus Kars. Yep. And now uh, Jotaro versus Dio. Runs in the family. Mm. All three battles are fundamentally the same and belong to different periods. The first battle took place between Ra and Apep, the second between Heru, Bekatet and Set, and the third between Horus and Set. Set's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, what battles? In each instance, the former god represented order, while the latter represented chaos. If one god was seriously injured, Thoth would heal them to prevent either from overtaking the other. So he was sort of like the arbitrator slash he's really, balance artist. He's really big into stalemates. Yeah. He sounds like a pretty smart dude. Obviously all the knowledge and writing stuff is reflected in Thoth being a manga. Mm. But I, guess, I suppose that's that neutrality is sort of reflected in the fact that these are just predictions of the future. They aren't, you know... Um, you can't They're, they're from the perspective of the Oingo Boingo brothers, but they aren't necessarily working from them. Yeah. For them. As we found out this episode. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, here are the facts, son. And that's it. Basically. Mm. Interesting. Mm. So should we talk a bit about the uh, musical references in this episode? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, mission underway. First of all, we have Oingo Boingo. Do we? We do. That was a reference. <laughs> They're an American new wave band known for hits including Dead Man's Party and Weird Science. Weird Science? Yep. Uh, led by Danny Elfman, who you may know as a composer. Yeah, from The say... Simpsons. Really? Yeah. Oh, Didn't okay. he compose the um, the Simpsons theme song? I'm not sure. I know he was... I think I'm pretty sure he was heavily involved in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, uh, Grammy for Batman, an Emmy for Desperate Housewives, Disney Legend Award. Jesus. Film project on scoring. Sweeney Nightmare Todd. Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Edward Scissorhands. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Simpsons the Simpsons theme. theme. Hey! We got there. God, he's done everything. Yeah. What a champion. Oingo and Boingo. So hang on, Danny Elfman came from Oingo Boingo and then just started making other stuff. I don't know. Shit. There you go. I mean, don't there you go. That's just... Purely speculation on your phone. Completely confirmed. Also known as the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, Clowns of Death, Moisley and the Beemen. Boingo. <laughs> okay, so it looks like Oingo Boingo was the sort of start of his major commercial success. Mm. So, point to you, I guess. How you doing? Also, it has like over a dozen past members. Oh, Jesus. So, clearly not the most stable of bands. No. Are they still together? No. Okay, alright. Probably for the best. <laughs> they had their final farewell concert on Halloween 1995. Ooh. Spooky. It's, a, it's an ominous time to have a final concert. But of course they are translated as, uh, for legally distinct copyright purposes, mm-hmm. Zenyata Mondata. Still kind of the same name as an album though. So 
I mean, it is the same name as an album. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting those approvals or not, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. It was by the police, included songs like Don't Stand So Close To Me, which I'm sure you've heard. Hey! And uh, and this one I haven't heard by the police. D, do, 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 D, da, da, da. I have heard of that. Oh. Yeah. I suppose you showed me. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> and various other songs that I haven't heard. <laughs> there are a number of songs, none of which we know of. Uh, Go on. Classic Sting. Classic Sting. No message in a bottle, not worth my time. Nope. And of course we all know the uh, popular song parody of Message in a Bottle named Snail in a Bottle, recounting the um, foundation case in uh, modern negligence law. What? It's on YouTube, look it up. <laughs> okay. And that's about it for uh, Oh My God this week. Yeah, it was uh, It was an episode. We haven't quite reached the end of the episode yet because oh. if you recall, uh, it's worth discussing what happened in the closing credits this week. <sighs> so you become quite accustomed to the sort of slow jam last train home. Yeah, I was getting ready for, you know, my nice little chill thing yeah. and then I get greeted with... Believe it. I believe it. Oingo Boingo Brothers. I, I am Oingo. I can transform my height, weight, and even smell, just like I imagine. No one will find out, no one will catch on. The god of creation, Kanum. I'm Boingo. I prophesize with comics. It comes true without fail, there's never any mistake. I'm very shy, so I'm always alone, though. The god of knowledge, Thoth. Everything, everything is gonna go great, hasn't it so far? Once a prophecy appears, it's set. No, it's Thoth. There's absolutely no way to change it. If we act according to the prophecy, everything will go great. Hasn't it so far? Oingo Boingo Brothers, believe it. I believe. Oingo Boingo Brothers. Don't get disheartened. Because that's that's just how how life goes. goes. Can I believe it? Just believe it. Oh, hang on. We can't look at that yet. What? Why can't we look at that? Because that's later. Eh? Oh, okay. Or is it? It's an extended cut is what I'm saying. Oh, I see. Which talks about some stuff that happens in the future because future comic. Oh. Ooh. Hey. Oh, I guess they are still alive. And I thought they were going to come back. Well, that doesn't mean they'll come back. It just means the comic is just floating around the wind. Well, it's a song. Oh, it's yeah. It's not part true. of the show. Oh, it's okay. a song. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Shit. Now I have even less idea of what the <laughs> hell that song is. Nicholas Ballantyne. What are our highlights and lowlights for this episode? Well, you know how excited I got over the fact that it was one of those episodes about finding loopholes in time. Yep. Uh, so I have to say the stand itself is a bit of a highlight. Okay. Because it's like, it just lends itself so well to really dumb episodes like this. Yeah. Where you're like, oh no, I know how to fix this. And then it turns out, no, no, just by pure coincidence. No. Yep. It's great. Uh, I really appreciated just all the dumb car shenanigans. Yep. Yep. Like, oh, hey Jotaro, let's see how fast we can eat oranges. <laughs> It's like, look, I've got this whole orange here. Do you reckon we can make a contest out of this, you idiot? Real, because it's basically the only real time we get to spend with them where they don't eventually realise they're being attacked. Mmm. Mmm. Because most of the time they're under so much tension that... Yeah. Yeah, we just see them in full serious mode. As opposed to, we're driving along, nothing's happening, Mm -hmm. let's eat some oranges. It was the 80s, it was a different time. Yeah, Yeah. pre-9-11, as Araki taught us. (laughs) This is going to keep cropping up every episode now. It's just, well, you know, that pre-9-11, you know, it was a different time. Low lights? Low lights. Hmm. I want to say, because it did drag on a bit towards the end It does. The pacing is a little slow. Yeah. Which, it's fine. But at the same time, you're just sitting there like, yeah, okay, we we get it. Like, compared to the rest of JoJo's where it's like, bam, new thing has happened. Uh, It's a bit, you know, 
held back. And yeah, just that's fair to say. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Especially when you get to the Polnareff and Jotaro. Oh, here's the paper. Like, slightly before that. Like That, that was all in service of the joke, though. I guess, yeah. But still, it was like, oh, okay, yep. Yep, yep, still, okay, yep. Can we get can we get on with it? Yep, okay. For like 20 seconds. Man, it is, it is a sign of the times when you're just sitting there going, man, it took like 20 seconds. <laughs> God, how inconvenient. <laughs> so, Nick. Whoa, what's your low light? What? Ah, same thing. Oh, okay, all right. So what do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders Part 2 Battle in Egypt? Mm-hmm. In the episode entitled Anubis. <gasps> Anubis? Wait, is there nothing? Is it just Anubis? Anubis Part 1. What, it's just Anubis? Just Anubis. Make of that what you will. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, okay, hang on. I asked you before, it was like nine guys who walked out of that place. Yep. So we've had uh, Indul. Yep. We've had Oingo and Boingo. Yep. Who may have just been one coat, to be honest. <laughs> um, so now it's the fourth guy, Anubis. 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 But it's not Anubis someone. Yeah, it's not Anubis's Jimmy Johns. Yeah. It's just Anubis. It's just Anubis. Hmm. Um, so what do we know about Anubis to start with? Well, I know that he is protector and guardian of, uh, you know, death. Yep. Weighs so. your soul against a feather. And then if you are allowed, you can uh, die, basically. <laughs> and now or suffer I forever. die. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, because you pass into the underworld, don't you? Afterlife. Afterlife. Is it afterlife? I think so. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so we know that he's got something to do with death. Death. He's got a big old cat head, I think. A jackal, I believe. Jackal head, yeah. He's a big guy. Shit. Anubis. Shit. Anubis. Okay, what if... Can a stand exist without a user? Because if we have this manga book that's the stand... Yeah, I mean, that's that's Boingo's stand, though. Yeah. So and it's like Whole Horse's gun, where it's like he could lose the gun, but then he could just be like, well, I'll just make it disappear. <sighs> Yeah. So, yeah. Let, let's take stock of where the gang is at, at least. Yes. So, they talk about how, you know, Abdul will probably be back on his feet soon enough, but Kakuin might be out for the count for a while. Which is absurd, because Kakuin's done nothing. <laughs> like... <laughs> it beat up that baby. <laughs> yes, that is the one instance that Kakuin's done anything. It beat up that space fly. Wait, the space fly? Cat Tower of Grey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did, didn't he? But he couldn't shoot because of the people there. Hmm. Yeah, alright, he's done a couple things. <laughs> yeah, okay, he's done a couple things, but, like, we haven't gotten much of an art. He stole that car to help Polnareff escape from the hanged man and the emperor. That's true, that's true, he did steal a car. It was pretty rad, if you recall. <laughs> but, like, he hasn't had an arc, you know? He's just been there to He did, um, get repeatedly mistaken for a traitor. I guess? I... Uh, that's not really an arc, So, Nick, though. what do you think's gonna happen next time? <sighs> I don't know. If without... Okay... I know that the naming convention is now stand user, but without a user, I'm like, well then... Does so what does, that, just... what does that imply to you? Come on. Does that I mean someone's going to die? Why would it mean that? Well, if Anubis is like the god of death, or the god of like weighing your soul before you reach... Remember, we're still life. dealing with stands here, not literally Okay, gods. okay, alright, alright. Maybe the stand is like a very abstract one again. So, uh, like the fog, how it just makes yep. things... Maybe Anubis is... Or maybe the guy's name is Anubis. And then he's like, I am Anubis. I am totally the god itself. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And then he'll pull some weird, like, yeah, I'm really fucking strong. Fuck you. Stronger than Star Platinum, even. I can't reach from anywhere. I haven't got very good eyes. Oh, okay, and what do you think the power is, then? Well, that would be the power, is that, you know, he's sort of like... 
a more stupidly enhanced Star Platinum. Right. Where it's like he and the stand are one. Because, okay. Yeah, because he thinks he's Anubis and he's like, my stand is Anubis. I am Anubis. Sure. Or something like that. But then at the same time, what if it's just something really OP like controlling heart rate? But they already have to be like somewhat sickly in order for him to... Ah, she'll kill. They'll kill Holly. That's a good point. He could just go and kill Holly. But why would he do that? If there was anyone that he would love, it would be Holly. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not... A, I don't know. I reckon it's probably either going to be they're the same thing or some really, really abstract stand that has something to do with death or, you know, your health, which would work really well in a hospital. Oh, so you think it'll be in the hospital? I think so, yeah. I reckon it'll be That's set in the something. hospital. Yeah. Because I don't think they're going to get in the hospital and be like, you good? You good. Okay, we're leaving. <laughs> They'll be like, you good? No. All righty then. <laughs> That's a bit shit. It is a bit shit. Hmm. Yeah. R.I.P. Kakuin. Nah, Kakuin won't die. He won't die yet. He'll never die. Yeah. Kakuin can't die. If anyone's going to die, Joseph's going to die. We have some listener correspondence. <gasps> what? We have listener correspondence. Subject, on weird episode titles by Crunchyroll. This comes from R. Popov, our uh, Siberian friend. <gasps> Ooh! Yo, what up, Popov? Hey guys, hope you're doing well. After listening to the most recent episode, I got mighty confused about episode titles. Why is it that the names of stands and their users are reversed, like blah blah blahs and gebs and dool? Mm. The search for truth eventually led me to the Wikipedia page on JTBA, more specifically to the discussion page, where I found some information on the matter. Here are some excerpts. Let's look at Japanese characters. Uh-huh which Crunchyroll translated for the purpose of rhyming as Iggy the Fool and Gebs and Dool. The most literal way of translating this, given that the, these are two names, is The Fool, Iggy, and Geb Ndul. These are pairs of proper names, and setting them up like nicknames is the more natural and uh, most space-effective way to deal with them short of a mission. The possess- possessive particle, character, mm-hmm. is pretty flexible when it comes to things such as titles, Gebs and Dool, is an irregular way to translate it, especially given that the Gebstan is possessed by Ndul and not the other way around. Mm. It's obvious too, even by the uh, next episode's title, Knum Zenyata and Toth's Mondata, flash oingo boingo, that country roll is trying to make a rhyme of them. This will obviously stop when there are no longer two names to rhyme, and all the future episode titles will just seem odd in comparison. Anubis. <laughs> anyway, it's like translating... Ego no sensei, English as, as English as teacher, instead of English teacher. <laughs> Viz translate the story title as Iggy the Fool and the God Geb. This obviously doesn't help since uh, Viz's work has moderate adaptation in its translation and took its own approach to these titles, user and the God Goddess stand. This too is valid in its own way. Too long didn't read version, Crunchyroll's rhyme puns are more awkward and irregular than the literal translations. Huh. So that's that. It was all just a clunky attempt by Crunchyroll at making rhymes in episode titles. What a bizarre occurrence indeed. That's it. Fuck this. That's not... Oh, as if you don't make that joke every episode. Hey man, at least I say it with, like, tact, you know? I, I say it for humour. This was just literal. This was actually bizarre. So what you're saying is they're right? Yeah. Anyway, I satisfied my own curiosity, and maybe you guys will also find that tidbit interesting. Keep on podcasting and know that your effort is appreciated each and every week or two weeks, whatever. <laughs> Have fun with the rest of the Egypt saga. Best regards from Siberia. This comes from uh, Mike Mack. Hi Liam and Nick. I found this podcast around the time you two started Battle Tendency and I've been loving it since then. I've got some questions for you that I would love to hear your thoughts on. Shame we won't answer them. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's still a ways away, but do you have any thoughts about what you will do once you finish up part four? Would you consider continuing the podcast with the manga? Now, we actually had a pretty in-depth discussion of this recently, yeah. and basically what we concluded is that 
it's too far away for us to make any firm decision at this point. Because we, we don't know if later down the line we would make like an episode of Fortnite of JoJo's World and then do something else in between to like pad it out while yeah. the anime gets made. Or if... And there's a big difference in what I'd want to do, say, if we were nearing the end of Diamond is Unbreakable and, you know, it was a few months until the Part 5 anime started versus mm. if it hadn't been announced at all. Yeah. So, so basically at this point, there's just too many variables for us to come to a firm decision. I mean, if we run out of episodes, uh, we'll do something. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. We'll do something. We always need to do something. If we do go through past four, through, pa- go past part four. Good. What am I excited to see uh, your reaction of? He'd be really interested to see what he think, what you think of the arc. What a wonderful world. Anyway, thanks for putting out a real enjoyable podcast, Mike Mack. Was that a question? Yeah. What, what would I be excited for you to see uh, past part four? Mm-hmm. Go on, Liam. I mean, what just thinking I into the very saying? far future, I would be very interested in what you take away from uh, this one particular arc in a future part called uh, Scary Monsters. Scary Monsters. Yeah. And that's basically all I can say about it because I don't want to give any details away, but the listeners know what I mean. I just love the fact that the two arcs I now know about are What a Wonderful World and Scary Monsters. There may or may not be some scary monsters in that arc. <laughs> but man, will it end out with a wonderful day? That's, yep, that's almost what I said. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the episode. Huzzah. Our theme music is Jojo Wave by Nick Ballantyne, now available on... Bondcomp. I was look- looking for the URL specifically. Oh, uh, I think if you go milkjuice.bandcamp and then .com slash Jojo Wave, you should come up with it. Sick. Yeah, milkjuice is spelt with two O's, by the way. M-I-L-K-J-O-O-C-E. Just to really unnerve people even more. Until next time. To, to be, be continued. continued.